Welcome to Between Us Leaders, a place where we talk about leading with wisdom and godly devotion. I'm your host, Terry Herndon, and today I have two guests with us for this episode of The Pastor and the Prodigal. The pastor in this episode is Nikki Rogers. She is an ordained minister, wife, mom of five kids. Nikki and Kenny pastor Sunset Bible Assembly in San Francisco. In addition to that, Nikki is the academic director for the San Francisco Teen Challenge, where Kenny is the director. Their daughter, Veronica, is the prodigal in this story. And they together have agreed to share their story in hopes that it will give hope and encouragement to those who are in the middle of their own prodigal story. Welcome, Nikki and Veronica. Hello. Hello. It's so good to be with you, even if it's over Zoom. (laughs) It's nice to be here. This is fun. Yeah, thanks thank for having us. So much. Thank you so much. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to pop out some questions and um, and let you guys tell your story because I think that it is so important to hear. Oftentimes, you know, as a parent going through a prodigal situation or as a daughter or son living in a prodigal situation, um, there can t- be a tendency to feel so isolated and so alone and shame and embarrassment. And, um, and I know that we have people... Um, that are walking in the midst of that road that you have come through. And so I know that this will be an encouragement to them as they hear your story. So thank you so much for um, coming and sharing with us. So Nikki, I'm going to start with you. Um, Tell us a little bit about your family, a quick overview. Okay, you already said I have five kids and all five of them are married. And uh, for the last bit here, we've been able to live within an hour from each, uh, hour and a half from each other. That's mm-hmm. been wonderful. We have um, 13 grandchildren and we're expecting our 14th grandbaby coming up in 2022. Um, like uh, Kenny is pastoring and I get to do help with the teen challenge uh, by way of Zoom. So I can meet with the guys, make sure they stay on track. And then also in this last bit here, I've started my own publishing company and, uh, and just looking forward to uh, the future and what God has planned. Well, congratulations on your publishing company. Thank That's you. awesome. Thank you. Love to hear more about that at some point. Uh, <laughs> Veronica, what is a, a favorite childhood memory of yours? Um, there's quite a few that come to mind right off the bat, but I got to say, me and my sister are really close. When I li- when we lived in San Francisco, we had two houses, and my sister Savannah and I always shared rooms. Uh, in the first house we rented, so one weekend, I guess, I, I left, but when I came back, she had painted two of the walls, one pink, one blue, and it looked awesome, but it was very light. And I remember telling her, like, I love that you decorated, but it's just so, like, light, you know? <laughs> you can barely see the colors. Then we moved a little later, and uh, we were sharing rooms again. I left to visit a friend, came back, <laughs> and my sister had painted the whole room these really rich colors. And totally <laughs> themed out the room with this these furry um, covers and all that. So that was, <laughs> that was something that came to mind because I just, I always remember being um, blessed by my sister always trying to make the best situation, you know, and, and thinking of me while she did that. So I, I wanted to 
shout out to my sister, Savannah, for that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So were you the blue side or the pink side? I was the, what side was I, mom? I was probably the blue side. I was always like the little tomboy. So <laughs> the tomboy who liked really like loud things, apparently. So. <laughs> oh, that's super cute. So you have Savannah's, uh, what, what is the order and where are you in there? So Savannah's the oldest and then I'm fourth. So, and between there's all brothers. So Savannah, two brothers, me, and then a younger brother. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Um, so Veronica, you had made the decision at some point to, uh, walk away from the Lord and the family. What led you to that decision? Can you kind of bring us through that process? Cause you grew up in church. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, obviously my parents had been, have been pastoring San Francisco since a year before I was born. So they've been there my whole life. And the quickest answer to this question for me is um, that I just didn't know Jesus because I've answered this question before as I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, but that's not true because I was raised in church. I, anytime that I could, I asked for salvation. You know, I asked Jesus into my heart at a very young age. You know, it wasn't my whole life that I rejected Jesus. Mm -hmm. So a relationship was there, but, um, when I became a teenager, I didn't know Jesus anymore. I understood him with my own understanding, with my own concept of things that I have learned. And, you know, because of that, I knew God as kind of a controlling lawmaker and mm. uh, sort of emotionally manipulative. That's how I knew him. So when the offer to, you know, have YOLO fun, uh, which is you only live once, or like the freedom of choice, freedom to choose your life, all of those things just were really appealing mm. um, as opposed to always trying to do the right thing for a God who just seems like a carrot that's being dangled. You know what I mean? So that was kind of the process of walking away because it wasn't always like, oh, this God stuff. It wasn't always like that. It was just that I started to develop a false understanding of who God was. Okay. And that was not attractive, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. 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 So Nikki, when you hear that, how do you process that? What? Well, I definitely, there were signs that we, we saw in Veronica as she was uh, starting to draw away, draw away from us. Other, other factors were coming in to influence her more than we could. And, um, and so I just kind of just felt this slipping away you know, from each other. And that's, that's just the best way to word it. Yeah. And so in that slipping away, there's a tendency to, uh, well, more than a tendency, a, de a desire, like a need to like grab. And, you know, I kind of think of that, what is that slimy, like that uh, snake thing where you hold on to it and it slips through your hands and then you try yeah. to grab to the top and it just keeps slipping. Would that be uh, an, a good Yeah, that's a good, that's a good picture of, of it. What I that think. look like? 
Yeah, I, I would say that that's an accurate feel, uh, feeling or a picture to express the feeling. Um, it was just such an overarching sadness, too, that came in seeing this influence uh, slip away. We did have three older children, uh, so we knew the experience of letting go and letting them become adults. But with Veronica, I, th I, think, I think so much of that was the, the loss of influence in her life. Mm. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us, Nikki, some of the things that you tried to do to grab a hold of that? I'm trying to, uh, you know, we had lots of talks and, uh, and just trying to connect again, trying to reason with her. Uh, and it's just like, uh, she even actually, I went to speak at a church and she came with me on that trip and we talked, we had lots of, it was pretty far away. And uh, we tried to talk during that time, but I remember feeling so frustrated because no matter what I said, the walls were up already. Mm -hmm. And that Veronica was determined to uh, just keep that wall up. And so the despair that I felt inside, I, I don't think I fully understood it or, or could grasp what, what, what really was happening. There were things I feared was happening because uh, you cannot know the there's no way you can know the depth of the sorrow that you feel in this kind of situation mm -hmm. until you actually walk it and see um, losing that relationship with your children. Uh, but yeah, we try, I mean, lots of conversations, trying to take trips, trying to put dreams and awaken stuff in her. Mm -hmm. And at the time, at, at the same time, you know, there were things, very serious things happening in our other children's lives as well. And, uh, and so it was like, wow, is it, I'm, I think I'm starting to lose grip. And uh, because you only have so much to give to a situation at the time. Yeah. But definitely looking back, it still causes so much emotion rise to the surface and the pain that I was feeling, but realizing I needed to continue on. Yeah. And so uh, Veronica, hearing that, um, and even seeing, you know, through Zoom, your mom's response. Um, do you remember those talks and those moments, the trip that she's referring to? Yeah, I do. I mean, um, it's been an interesting process coming back because I, I do, when I walked away, um, a lot of my childhood was like, I couldn't remember it. I, I just literally, a lot of the stuff I couldn't remember. If you had asked me, what's your favorite childhood memory, uh, like maybe five years ago, even I wouldn't have been able to think of things, you know? Wow. So there's been a lot of clarity as God has healed my own perspective okay. over the couple of years. But, uh, yeah, she's talking about the conversations that we had, um, before I walked away. Cause it was a pretty big um, it was a severe cutoff that we experienced particularly. And before that, yeah, I do remember because internally, um, I was wanting to hold on to what they were telling me, the mm. reality they were telling me. There was a part of me that just wanted to please my parents, you know, because you have that. But then there was this just growing part of me that really craved independence and really craved like my mom said, the influences that were um, just taking over my life. And if I, you know, a different person, different time, those influences aren't necessarily bad, 
But for me, they took over my identity. Okay. Yeah, they did. They definitely became more of a priority. And if you were to me, I mean, because it, it's it's a person, yeah, but it's also a time of life yes. that comes in and brings influence. And with it, it's so you can't say it like this person was a bad influence. Right. I, I mean, I think that would have almost felt better. But but for me, but it, it wasn't that sure. it was here. We are going to this natural experience of growth and for children to take on their uh, own you know to make what they've been raised in their own identity or make it a priority so every child goes through it in some form right and then to see your child going through that and for her to allow another voice to be louder than the voice of your parents or louder than me was painful yeah yeah and so your your other four children um, and how old are you, Veronica? Let's put a time frame on that. I at that time? Yeah, at that time. I'm sorry. Um, I was 17. 17. Mm-hmm. So you have the olders, you have the one younger. What was their response and reaction? How did this affect the the family unit at the time? Yeah, because you were so, still at home. Oh, only, the only one that was home was Caleb. And he oh, was okay. yeah, and he was 13, and it was just the two of them. My older children, um, are Savannah, that you've heard uh, speak mm-hmm. about, she was pregnant with her second child, and uh, but she did live closer to us, and um, she was participating. She was key support. Uh, for Veronica and me during this time, the Lord really used her in, and it was difficult for her at times, but the, uh, she was a support to both of us, but she had things going on too. Um, and they, then my next one down, he is in the military and mm-hmm. he would, they were stationed far from us. And then the next one down, he was, it was a senior year um, from, no, he was, no, it was his junior year. He was preparing for a wedding to get married. And then also I was working uh, part-time full-time at the district at this time. I had five summer camps coming up and Veronica had worked on camps with me before she left. And so there was just so, there were so many factors going on that, uh, caused the stress of it. So I would say Caleb felt the brunt of it the most and it and he he was really devastated by the sudden break that Veronica just mentioned but he did he was not privy to any conversations whereas Savannah and Veronica they talked trying to work through this and me and Veronica tried to talk Kenny you know tried to talk with them and to her and but Caleb just didn't have that and I, so I think for him uh, it, it cut really deep because he didn't, he didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And so Veronica, can you take us to the day of that cut? Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, that was a pretty dramatic day oh, yes. <laughs> for all of us. Whoa. Um, <laughs> Immediately tears popped to the front of my eyes. I know we're, we're talking about stuff. I, I usually don't get into the details of this kind of stuff, but, um, oh, and I, I don't mind. I don't mind. I just, usually it's more over overview. So the day of though, um, I have been hiding the fact that the uh, other influence I'd been hiding it, you know, and, and, uh, we were having a good family day actually at my grandmother's house. And my mom happened to find a phone that I was hiding from them. 
and it had a picture on it. And um, so there was no denying whose phone that was for, you know, and now wait, I was not snooping. You weren't snooping. No, it's just out because I'm, I am not good at hiding things. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so anyway, she found it. And as soon as she found it, and this is two weeks before I'm supposed to go to college and uh, she found it. And I, immediately in my, my whole body, I just shut down. I just knew, okay, this is it. Mm. I, I didn't have the emotional capability or maturity or experience to talk about it. And I, and I wasn't really in a place where I was going to um, say that I was going to give it up anymore. Cause I was like, I know that this is happening. And if my parent, my parents are, they're not going to be cool with it. Like this is my decision now. So anyway, she found the phone and we walked to the front of my grandma's house. My dad found out and he said, you know, the culmination of it all, because we've been going through this all summer of me trying to be better and, and it not working out. They finding this phone. It's a huge shock. And my dad just says, it feels like you're falling off a cliff and you won't let me take your hand. Mm. And, um, and I just was quiet. And I said, yeah, I choose to go. And I just walked away from my grandparents' house. I didn't have anything. Um, and I just went into the residence area and hid for about three hours because I had to wait for somebody to come pick me up. So yeah, it was a pretty dramatic day. It wasn't something that just slowly happened. I was kind of hoping that I could go to college, kind of get away and then figure things out. I guess. I don't know. I wasn't thinking long-term at all. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. So in the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, it was the temptation of eating pig slop that made the prodigal son realize I need to go home. This is ridiculous. My father's slaves are treated better. And I need to go home. Can you tell us, Veronica, what was that moment or moments for you when you realized I need to go home? Yeah. Um, so that day happened and I went to college. I graduated college three years later and me and my parents um, started rebuilding our relationship probably after two years of being completely not talking. And so at the point where I had that realization, it was probably about three and a half years later. And, you know, I wasn't, sorry, I wasn't um, a deadbeat. You know, I had, I was active in my community. I had friends that I considered were close. But in this time period of my life, despite all that, those things, I wasn't really able to find contentment in my life. Mm -hmm. you know, I was chasing a lot of moments and those moments never sustained me. They never fulfilled mm -hmm. me. And I have a vivid memory of having a lunch break on a random work day and calling my mom and nothing was wrong. Nothing had happened, but I just couldn't shake this growing feeling of desperation and I know that this was one of, if not the first time I really opened up to my mom 
mm. since that day, three and a half years prior, because I didn't want to hear my parents' opinions about my choices. I didn't want to hear their commentary on my life. You know, like I didn't want to open that door. I just kind of wanted to have an amicable relationship with them. Uh, but at this point, you know, we had grown closer and I finally was just kind of pouring out my heart to her on the phone and about this internal experience I was having. And she responded, well, you cut me off from giving you the only help I know how to give you. And I knew she was talking about her faith in God. And I was like, mom, I need actual help, not a fantasy. And she didn't get defensive and continue to listen to me after that. And because she didn't listen to me out of judgment and she wasn't listening with an attitude of, I told you so, none of that, you know, she was just there with me. Her response about the help really started echoing in my brain, mm. in my heart. And it was after that conversation that I really began to reconsider my unbelief in God, because at that point I subscribed as an atheist. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in okay. all that stuff. I thought it was a social club. They were going to, you know, all this stuff like good for them, but not for me. And that conversation was the starting point of my openness to, to, to really think, is there a God that really cares about me? You know, is there a God that would actually bind these pieces that feel like chaos? Is that possible? How could that be? You know, all those questions that yeah. you start asking. And that was the beginning, I believe, of my, of my journey back to Jesus. Not the beginning of when Jesus was calling me back, but my, when my will started to turn in a different direction. Can you explain the difference between the two? Between Jesus calling you back and and what what did you say again? How did you how did you phrase that? Me turning my will towards him, me turning my ears towards him. Okay. Sorry, we have a couple dogs here. <laughs> <laughs> um the difference between the two is that. I didn't ever lose my childhood. I didn't ever lose the biblical background and the biblical history and the experiences that I had had as a child growing up in church. Those were real things that happened. And I mentioned earlier how I couldn't remember my childhood. And I feel like that was a, a real attack of the enemy shutting those things off to say, those are anecdotal you know, those aren't real. You're just making them up in your head, you know, all those things. Um, but the enemy can't take away an experience you've had with God, even if you're not raised in church. You know, there's something calling out to each one of us, whatever our background is, that says there's more. There's yeah. more. Yeah. And, but we can't, accept it and hear it without first opening up our own hearts. You know, that is a will, or that is a, an act, a verb to accept yeah. the calling. So that's what I mean by. That's beautiful. Thank you. That's a great explanation. I appreciate that. And so Nikki, we were at the office and we were praying with you and for you, for Veronica during this time. 
and take us to the moment when Veronica came home. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we have been praying with her and, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm remembering when she actually prayed the Cinder's Prayer with her sister mm. and they were, they were both living in Texas at the time and Oh, we were just thrilled. I, I can't even, I just like all of a sudden I got the wings, you know, for <laughs> my spirit <laughs> just lifted it up to realize because of something that Savannah had said to me uh, is that I have to let my understanding, my relationship, my dreams for Veronica die mm. so that I can accept who God is going to bring back. Mm. And so, wow, I, you know, I, at first I got really defensive at her, you know, because I'm supposed to be the grown up one here in this place. <laughs> and like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But then as the Lord began on my side to work and realize, wow, I, I want to receive who uh, Veronica, that's who God created. Not who I had hoped she'd be, but who God has made. And so just coming to terms with all of that and being, okay, well, let's just release that because when Veronica comes back, it's going to be for keeps. You know, this is going to be, you know, because, you know, this is God's child. I love her, but God loves her a gazillion times more. And he wants this deep, this depth with her. And so, but when she told us, when I think we got on the phone, we started calling because um, we're to each other and the family. And, and at another point, there's a feeling like we don't want to say too much because we want to give Veronica time to grow in this. Uh, but it was, oh yeah, it was just, it was not a, a relief from a weight it was a lifting mm. into hope so mm. I love that a lifting to hope what a great word picture that that gives us so she was in Texas at the time um yeah. so tell us about the first time that you saw her physically that you were able to to touch and hug and what was that moment like for the both of you uh, well, I, well, she came home cause she was, uh, you know, the Lord was downloading all kinds of neat stuff into her heart. And so I had camps coming up cause it was coming up to the summer and I'd ask if she would, she wanted to come and help me with camp again. And she agreed. And, but the, in that she had also decided she wanted to be water baptized and she wanted her dad to baptize her at sunset oh. Bible. So she came home for that and oh, wow, what a time of victory and celebration because the church just loved Veronica so much and oh. she was, uh, they had all been praying. So that day when she came and she was baptized, I, I mean, just still tears of celebration and thankfulness and unbelievable, you know, cause there were so many times during that journey, in that journey that, um, uh, I, I thought, oh, it's never going to turn around. And people who were praying with us would, would give words of faith, words of encouragement. And they believed for me when I got weak. Uh, and so to, the, to be there seeing this miraculous thing happening, mm -hmm. uh, just it just sparks also your faith that God can do anything he wants to if we just let him. We just trust and let him do that. I love that you incorporated the church's response in that as well, because even in the story of the prodigal son, you know, I mean, they had the banquet and the celebration and everybody came and I can just 
picture that because it's not the a prodigal story is is not just about the prodigal or even the parents, but the family, but all the extension around it and how yes. so many can celebrate along with that because it's um, everybody gets to party when they come home. And that's, that's awesome. So Veronica, for you, what was that feeling of everybody doting and loving and, and hugging and all of the, that outpouring of love for you? Wow. Um, man, you know, I feel like I'm appreciating it more now hearing it, Mm. you know, um, than I did then. Okay. Because not that I didn't appreciate it, but, um, it was, it's a really vulnerable thing to be like, wow, I was really wrong. (laughs) And everybody (laughs) knew it, (laughs) you know? So in that light of just being like a human being, yeah yeah it's um it is really it's a really humbling thing and and like going back to the story of the prodigal son they talk about they kind of switch the perspective to the son that stayed as they're going through the feast but imagine how that son must have felt thinking okay here i'm gonna go back i'm gonna offer myself as a slave and then to be celebrated in his humiliation Mm. um that's not the intention but again, you have to accept the forgiveness given mm. and you have to understand that something is washing away off of me. I'm no longer associated with that. Mm. Um, so like I said, when, when I'm hearing the story again and we go over it, cause there's details we've talked about even here that we haven't really sat and talked about between me and my mom, mm. because, um, yeah, there's just something that you have to, it's a lifetime of accepting that forgiveness over and over and over again, you know? So yeah, that the feeling I do remember though, of uh, being baptized and just thinking about there was another guy who was being baptized with me and both of us were, I think both of us were prodigal kids. And we were sitting there and we were looking at each other before we were getting baptized, you know, on our, in our old shirt and pants or whatever. And I was like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm all right. How are you? I'm all right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but Veronica, I, I love hearing it from that point of view and perspective. And I think that it, it helps it helps me to understand. And it, I know that it will help so many others who are walking through it as well. Um, you know, every, every story is different. We get that, but there's commonalities in, in feelings and, um, and emotions and, and things like that. So I really appreciate uh, you being so vulnerable and sharing so much about this. Um, so catch us up to date. Where where are you now? What are you doing? How is the Lord using you? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Um, well, now I'm full time in ministry. <laughs> I I am working here in San Rafael. Been here for three years now with my husband Chris and our two kids. Um, and we're just we're just really enjoying the blessings of the Lord using our gifts. You know. Uh, and that has been so amazing to me in all of this is the restoration of, mm-hmm. of who God 
wanted me to be in the first place. You know, like sometimes you could think, okay, what, what could have been if I never had made those decisions? I don't know. You might think like that, but, but then again and again, God's like, I know who you were. I know where you've walked. I've been with you and I know who you are now. Yeah. Just keep moving forward. Yeah. So I just kind of take that with me as I'm moving forward in ministry. And it's really given me a whole new level of compassion for, for people and what they're going through. Um, so I, I'm, we're doing really good. (laughs) That is so exciting. I, I love that. And I love that God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste any experience and, and that he can see beyond, you know, our detours, whether they be big or small, um, and that he can use it, uh, to fulfill his purpose. And, and I just, I love that. I'm so excited for you and, and Chris and your kiddos, your, your babies. And, oh, so Nikki, from a parent's perspective, um, you know, this podcast is about leading with wisdom and godly devotion. What does wisdom say about walking through uh, a difficult valley like this? Well, you definitely need the family of God when mm-hmm. you're going through. You have your family, but you need the family of God who are believing with you through any difficult time, whether it's a physical sickness or a separation, a broken uh, broken relationship, uh, financial difficulties, we we need one another. Yes. Just like I had said earlier, you know, when there were times when I was, I felt like I was going to give up, and there would somebody would text me or say something and keep me encouraged, keep me on track, knowing that God still had his eye on uh, Veronica, no matter where she was at, even yeah. I wasn't there. I mean, we, we go through some of that feeling too, even with our son on deployment, you know, realizing you know, we, he needs God's protection. So whether your son is, your child is a prodigal um, or not, you still need to let the Holy Spirit do his work in their life yes. away from you. Yes. But one of the, I think, and I already said it, what Savannah said, that was something from the Lord that you need to release who she was before. Let that Veronica die so you could receive the new Veronica, what God has planned. And that can be, I mean, think how that can be applied to so many struggles in our life, letting go of those, what our expectations were so we could receive an even better one. Yes. Like God, what God has planned. Yes, that's beautiful. I love that. And from a parod- uh, from the prodigal perspective, the prodigal come home now. What does wisdom say about your story? So I kind of wrote this down beforehand, and hopefully this answers your question. But um, I just wanted to share this. It's been amazing how the meaning of this prodigal son parable has de- deepened for me as I continue to grow up in faith. When I was younger and heard the story, I took, I took it at face value and it almost seemed like a threat. Like you will become drunken, homeless, and penniless if you leave God. Mm-hmm. And as a pastor's kid who has returned to the Lord, I have felt associated as the prodigal child who must have been living in the slop with pigs, which is a slightly humiliating way to feel labeled. However, what I've learned through walking my story out is that Jesus was talking about sustenance of the soul, which is not necessarily a physical reality. Mm. 
God has given me the amazing opportunity to share my humbling prodigal story a few times now. And every time I do, Jesus reminds me the only label, who Holy Spirit, <laughs> the only label I wear is redeemed. Amen. Wherever you're coming from, remember to tell your story of God's redemption in your life. Personal details may affect people in different ways in the moment, but Jesus's redemption on your life is an impression with an eternal impact. I love that. Thank you, V. That's good. That's really good. Redeemed. We all need to be redeemed. And thank you for sharing your story of redemption, Veronica and Nikki, for giving us that mother's heart and, and perspective. Um, you two are amazing. I have known you for a long time and it is exciting to be at, at this stage in life and um, seeing what God has brought you through, where he's leading you and where he will continue to lead you. Veronica, I'm so excited for what God has done in your life and where he is going to continue to lead you in the place that you are at now and watching you grow and develop in your relationship with the Lord and in ministry. And it's just super exciting and i'm super honored to have been able to um to do this podcast with you so thank you so so very much and thank you listeners for joining in listening with us in this story and i pray that you sense god's presence with you in the midst of your own journey as whatever that journey may look like for you, that you will be able to take the truths and the wisdom from this story and to appropriately apply them to your life, knowing that God is a God of redemption, God is a God of restoration, hope and healing, and that he is available for you just as he was available for Veronica and for Nikki. And so we just pray that blessing upon you, friends. And until we see you next time, God bless you. Bye-bye.